0: The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. It is just gone past 6am. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of August. And of course, in front of me is the one and only Philip in A very bright blue butted shirt. And I'm Wong Xiaoning.
0: Very good morning. I want to basically make an announcement and celebrate our producer Mo's birthday, belated birthday. She (laughs) turned 25. She's 68% older than me. Younger than me.
1: (laughs) Younger. Well... uh, even more than me, the percentage sixty-eight
0: percent younger than me. I'm so jealous.
1: <laughs> Can you even remember what you did when you were twenty-five, Philip?
0: I was working very, very hard so in was Saudi I. Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't have as much fond memories as our current producer does. Although she's, I wouldn't say fun is waking up at 5.30 in the morning and like... What
1: do you mean 5.30? We get up at 4.
0: Yeah, yeah. But we, have to, we
1: have to drag ourselves to the... Physically get up.
0: Physically get up. Oh,
1: you mean physically
0: get up. <laughs> mentally get up, sorry. Okay, I'm
1: not even sure we're mentally still up. But anyway, for those who are listening, I hope we will be waking you up. And, you know, we'll be here until 10 a.m. So do tune in, do because today is, as usual, an interesting show. At 7.15, we're going to be talking about power outages. Remember last week when maybe you were one of those unlucky ones caught in a lift or in a mall yes. where the lights just went off and you were wondering what on earth is happening? Well, we're going to find out um, because we're going to be talking to Tanaga National. We'll be speaking to Shukrin Ma. She's the Head Group, communi- group Corporate Communication to find out what tra- what happened. And how can we avoid such a situation from happening again? Can it
0: repeat itself, right? In Yongping, in Johor Bahru. Johor, Senai as yes, well. Yes,
1: for just a short while. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure we're wondering, will it happen again? Can it be avoided? And you know, if there's any inconvenience... Does Tanaga pay us?
0: Mm, I think that's a big question that's come out in Parliament. Now at 7.30, we get perspective on a much-anticipated landmark visit of US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi across Asia-Pacific. Now the big question, will Taiwan be included into the itinerary this evening, right? And so we have not it been, happening? Well, there was some rumour and talks, but it's initially it was off. Then I heard overnight that it's on now. Yeah,
1: and she's apparently staying overnight as well, which is like a, a big thing.
0: Well, I wonder if she will have some tim-sum there. But we will be speaking to Dr... <laughs> beef noodles, beef noodles, beef noodles. noodles. Beef noodles. We will be speaking to Dr Adrian Ang from the S Rajaranam School of International Studies to get some light on that visit and how it will impact US-Sino relations.
1: Then at 7.45, we're going to be talking about the generational end game. And no, this is not the computer game or anything like that. This is actually our Control of Tobacco Product and Smoking Bill. It was tabled for the second and third reading in Parliament yesterday. We're just going to get an update as to what's happening, and also discuss why there's been resistance from lawmakers, from some NGOs, and some from some sections of society. Uh, and we're going to be speaking to Dr. Helmi Haja Maidin. He's the consultant respiratory physician and also the technical advisor to the Ministry of Health on Tobacco Control. All this and more on The Morning Run. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 608, you're listening to The Morning Run. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of August and that song was Red Eyes by the War on Drugs.
0: Something you might have if you didn't sleep well. (laughs)
1: The war on drugs or the red eyes? Red eyes. Red eyes. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: And maybe you are having red eyes because you're just basically overworked. You're burnt Stressed. out. Stressed. You're tired. You haven't had a holiday, which is why we're talking about this article from the BBC Work Life entitled, Mandatory Time Off When Taking, uh, when taking Holiday Is Part of the Job. Isn't there a typo here?
0: Well, I think... <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm think i shocked because
1: it's the BBC. But it's never a BBC mind.
0: article, right? And so grammar issues really are not acceptable with the BBC. I mean, acceptable
1: for us mere mortals, but this is the BBC. You but see. anyway, so do you think people should have mandatory time off?
0: I think no, but this is a very important article in this time because we are month of August, and I'm pretty sure that more than half of our listeners have not taken leave yet, or,
1: or what and they're supposed to take,
0: or what they're supposed to take, and it would accumulate. And come December, there'll be eighty percent of the leave not done. They want to carry it over. Then the company will say half of it will be burnt by March if you don't use it. <laughs> is, this, is this the mantra and they use that you it all have it during February? <laughs> is this is your own
1: mantra. <laughs>
0: this is what happened to me every year, okay. right? Because I think, okay, look, I have 25, 21, whatever number of days I okay, I'll say, okay, I'll take three days off, two days off, then I realise oh no, I, need have, I have 20 days still un, unused leave.
1: Because you had 15 carried forward last year. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and so then the company puts in place some policy to avoid carryover, especially during the pandemic where hardly anybody took leave, then everybody gets very annoyed and frustrated, and then they feel it's unfair to them.
1: Okay. So, when it comes to leave, um, I would say I try to be disciplined. I try to clear it by by half the year. You know what yeah. I mean? So, let's say I have 20 days. Let's do 10 by the end of July and then let's try and do another 10 by December. So, as a, there's two ways to look at it, right? You look at it from a company perspective. How do you manage leave? And then from a personal perspective, how you should how you, you should utilise it. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at it from the company perspective. So I think you're right, companies need to encourage their staff to go, but they also need to have a an environment in place where when the staff goes, the work doesn't drop off. Somebody takes up the slack because there is going to be a bit of slack, right? And you shouldn't have a company or organisation where oh my goodness, things cannot function when people go on, on a break. That is a company that is not well planned or well thought of in terms of its work and structure and organisation.
0: So what is happening so far is this mandatory leave that is happening, right? Okay, on an individual level, I fully support that. And you see like people just saying, okay, I need to take 15 days mandatory leave. No problem. Yeah, but what's what's happening now is that there's a whole organisation collectively taking leave. So, like, bumbled, I think, about a couple yeah. of last year. They said, look, the whole company was shut down for a week or two weeks, right? Which to happened,
1: recover from COVID-19, To right? recover
0: from COVID-19 due to burnout. But even mm. if you... When I used to work in UK, Europe, they would force, you know, and say the last week or last two weeks of December, yeah. Christmas, everybody shuts down and doesn't go to work. Mm. There is some value in the whole organisation shutting down because invariably, even... Because you're so reachable and contactable... Yeah, your bosses will still send you messages, They will still send you right? messages, you know. So, there is some value in saying, look, do we do a complete shutdown? And even recently, I've seen some agencies, marketing agencies say, look, we're going on a company trip collectively, plus one or two more days after that, everybody but is not But it's not, not really
1: workable for every type of company. Not for every type of so company. So let's say at BFM, we're on air, you know, Monday to Sunday, albeit uh, Saturday and Sunday, we don't really have live shows. Yeah. But how do we go off air? I mean, how do we just suddenly say, okay, for the Monday and Tuesday next week, Uh, our listeners you guys just listen Listen to music music the whole day (laughs) while news is happening it's non-stop right I mean you know there's going to be something to report markets are on it's almost impossible for for a media outlet like
0: ourselves I think it only works if it's a project-based organisation to be Mm. honest or even a highly regulated environment like banking where you do want to make sure that you do take the mandatory leave so that, you know, the you don't feel connected to the job too much, right? Yeah. You don't feel like. But there's compliance reasons for that. Indispensable for that, yes. I
1: think the compliance reason for for enforcing mandatory leave on staff for two weeks, I think in Malaysia it's two weeks, if I remember correctly, is so that if you are doing anything dodgy, usually that dodginess
0: will, will arise will, will
1: arise when you're when you're not in the office to cover all the dodginess, right? Mm. That's the logic of it. Um, but I think companies need to think about having this mandatory time off, because in I'm guilty of like you know taking this one day here, one day there, one day there, and I'm never fully rested. Versus taking like a, a longer stretch, like a one two weeks off, you know, where your mind is really just because it takes even just one day to get in the
0: zone of not working. So let's even just keep it simple, right? Can we just make weekends sacred? Like if no. in the case. <laughs> Well, no, for BFM particularly, particularly right by Friday noon to Sunday noon at least, because Sunday afternoon you have to prepare already for the following which is day, what we
1: are practicing. kind of. I try to practice.
0: Yes, but many don't. You know, many don't keep the weekend sacred. And I also, as a former boss, also am a culprit of that. I do send WhatsApp messages and all that, mm. and I have to remind myself, no, no, let me not do it because my mind is still like a hamster, you know, running wheel. Yeah, yeah, it's wheel, very right? hard
1: to switch it's off. It's very hard right? to switch
0: off. So that's why you need a bit longer than the weekend as well.
1: The other thing I would advocate for is I know we can never finish our leave, but it's always nice to give your staff more leave. You know, like the French system, 30 days, as opposed to US, which is something like 10 days. I don't understand this, 10 days. Where can you go? Vive la France. Yeah, so some things about France, I think we should we should practice. Uh, but uh, we'll be back after some messages. Keep it here. BFM 89.9, 6.20, Tuesday the 2nd of August and you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Shawn-Ning, together with Philip C. in his very bright blue butted
0: shirt. And Am I that, blinding you?
1: Are you ready for love though? That's by The Bad Company.
0: Always ready for okay. love. Okay. I'm always ready. I'm just absent of it. <laughs> it's just absent in my life.
1: Okay, well, for those who are listening, you know what to do. Uh, meanwhile, we are looking at... Uh, An article uh, you chose, right, Philip? because it's very atas. It's from the Harvard Business Review. uh, Very suitable for you. And it's entitled, The Upside of Playing Favorites. So do you have favorites? But, uh, okay, I think people usually when they see the word favorites, they think children, you know, my favorite children. Do I have favorites? I'm not supposed to have favorite children. Teacher's pet. Teacher's pet. But this is, of course, in the work context.
0: It's an extension of that. I think every organisation will have their favourites. The question here is, is it good for the organisation? Typically, we always think it's not a good idea to have favourites. I personally think it's not a bad idea to do so. Simply because if they're high performers in the organisation, naturally, they will get the limelight.
1: Yeah, and you can't be fair to everybody, right? Life is not fair. Life isn't fair and, you know, I'm all about the curve marking, isn't it? Marking it within a curve. And if everybody was equally marked then what's the point? Are you sure that everybody does an absolutely equal contribution to the organisation, works as hard as everyone else? And I can tell you the answer is definitely no, right? So, okay. But then when you have your favourites, are you being fair to assess that that person is truly the one that deserves the title sometimes?
0: Okay, so the fairness is the big issue here. Mm. How do you define performance is I think the big question I mean I, I have been a favourite before for many bosses oh I can
1: imagine yes
0: I, I must say I'm the I'm teacher's pet for many right <laughs> simply because I, I know the boss I kind of know how to say the right words at the right time so I would say honestly there oh, have been so times oh so you're the
1: fake favourite
0: I am the fake favourite because there are times when I know I didn't perform well and the boss like oh Philip don't worry just try your best and God will do the rest The kind of stuff blah 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 right so you feel very bad because people look at you with envy and in the in this article they call it malicious envy. Mm. Because he can get away with anything and everything. That's, I think, the biggest issue. So then you feel, okay, I have to prove myself and work very hard so that you prove that actually this teacher's pet term is justified.
1: Okay. Uh, but then were you hated by everybody?
0: No, because I worked very hard. Okay. I kind so of you, had to prove it. So
1: in a way, your colleagues felt you deserve that title. Not
0: everybody, of I will be you honest. Of course,
1: you will have some enemies, there right? There will be
0: some enemies. Frenemies. Frenemies, people who are envious, but they also know they have to kind of play the game a bit because if they are not favorites with me, then mm. I could say something purportedly say something to the I boss. I like the purportedly purportedly say to the boss and spread Ow, some was that, a, was
1: that a knife in my bag? Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I felt something, so now I know where it's coming from, Philip. But yeah. never mind. Yeah,
0: well, no problem. That's part of life, I guess. <laughs> Ouch, know, that, that pain was in the back. Go to the chiropractor, Showning. Go to the chiropractor. I I felt That's my a recommendation. Step somewhere. <laughs> now I know where it came from. Yes. So I think this is where. Look, I think the boss also has to be clear and be open to feedback right? about that definition of favourite. And that's why even promotions Mm. cannot be done entirely by the business unit itself. They can recommend, there's usually kind of a panel that reviews the promotions so that it's done fairly. Yeah,
1: objectively. So even
0: talent management nowadays is done holistically in the group and not just done by one person. But you can't run away from the fact there are favourites that take place. You just cannot. And it's a question of as a leader, how do you use it? How do you leverage it? Right to basically build better performance across the organization.
1: For me, it's not a bad thing because if you have a favorite, that is the benchmark. That is the mm. benchmark that other people should aspire to, right? Oh, yes, we bring different things to the organization, different talents, different skills, but clearly there should be a benchmark that everyone knows what they're supposed to be heading for. And in that way, the favorite is that benchmark. It's that one, two, three percent performer, right? That everyone should ideally head towards and it should be reflected in every aspect in terms of that person's career path as he or she gets promoted it should also be reflected in terms of pay and bonus right because unless you're really truly an organization where you can say oh this doesn't matter Uh, i'm not going to be driven by profits i'm not going to be driven by performance and i think that's in la la land yeah okay Uh, then otherwise how do you aspire or how do you get people to do what you want them to do so, right? so you got to walk the talk, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: So the problem with favourites here is there's a definition of time. I think in Malaysia especially, many favourites are determined based on the history and context of the relationship. Mm. Like when they were young or when someone was up in their career, that person helped them or they journeyed with that person in the early stages of that pivotal time. And that that lingers on and holds and becomes that favourite of the person. because but it's not of the, a genuine... It's not a genuine current performance yeah. piece, but they had really built that rapport and relationship so long ago that it just continued and lingered on. I think that's where it's a bit difficult for people to understand. Because the boss then looks at it and says, okay, he was there or she was there for me in my most difficult times. Mm. Then it goes, I cannot, I must repay that debt and I will eternally be grateful. So it becomes my favourite for a long time. And that's why people then get very frustrated, especially people who come into the organisation you knew and think why is this guy so well liked
1: yeah and why is he still getting away with murder right murder, when his contribution to the company it's is limited is limited so i think yeah the boss has to continuously assess whether the favorite that i have now should remain the favorite and have some objective like markers you know uh look at the work contribution look at the hours spent look at the creativity i mean there are different Different things to look at depending on your organisation in terms of deliverables. But I think favourites not necessarily a bad thing. Do Anyway, do let us know what you think. You can, uh, of course, uh, let us know on Twitter. Our handle at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp in 18 And you can even also tell us about whether you were taking leave, which was our previous story. Um, but up next is, of course, the 6.30am News Bulletin. And to take us there is torn in my sight by the Rhythmics. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Six. 41. It's Tuesday, the second of August, and you're listening to the Morning Run with Philip C. Right in front of me, and I'm Wong Xiaoning on this rather nice Tuesday morning. No yes, rain so far.
0: It's beautiful, but just to start this Tuesday morning, we should talk about impending doom and destruction. <laughs> Because the UN chief... Aren't you the
1: bright bulb this morning, despite wearing that bright blue shirt?
0: Exactly. Come on, Mr.
1: Doom and Gloom, bring it on.
0: Let me bring it on, right? Because the UN chief has said nuclear annihilation is just one miscalculation away. Woohoo! Hasn't it always been? The world is one misstep from devastating nuclear war and in peril not seen since the Cold War. We have been extraordinarily lucky so far, according to Antonio Guterres, as he opens a conference for countries signed up to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, saying that luck is not a strategy.
1: I wonder whether the people who should be in the room were in the room in the first place, right? Because this message isn't directed to everybody and anyone. Not everyone has nuclear
0: arms. That's true. I think this is where, I think even President Joe Biden has called on Russia and China to enter nuclear arms control talks, right? Mm. Saying that Moscow in particular has a duty to show responsibility after its invasion in Ukraine.
1: Yeah, so um, do you think they'll take heat?
0: I'm not sure, I think this is the big question. I, we've always had this debate about nuclear arms, and we've also and also the disclosure and the accuracy about how many or how much nuclear arms each country has is also quite blur and vague in some yeah. countries.
1: And with all this right, aren't we entering this into this era of a new Cold war? I think we with are... Re- the, you know, with the Ukraine war, right? That's it is, right. It's a new era of a Cold War where you can really see people on the left and then people on the right. So what do we do about this? I mean, mm. can we go back to, not to say that there was ever peace, but to more peaceful times?
0: So I think this is where, I think we are now really shifting from this Cold War to this really, what they say, this hot conflict, right? Which yeah. is on and off, on and off and taking place. And of course, place. it's brought
1: upon by news being reported that Nancy Pelosi, and this is on Bloomberg, might, and I use the word, might be landing in Taiwan on Tuesday.
0: Yes. So, purportedly, she was meant to do an Indo-Pacific tour, covering well, she Malaysia. she did go to Singapore, by the Singapore, way, already. She yeah. visited them. She did the Singapore. She was going to do Malaysia, mm. South Korea, and Japan. And it was all about, I think, fostering relations with all the allies with the United yes. States. But now we hear some news, as you were saying, Xiaoning, that she might be uh, coming down, going up to Taiwan, which would be... Uh, pretty damning indictment and would really very much strain US sino relations.
1: Yeah, I mean it would definitely heat up things between the US and China. But to be she already has dropped by Singapore. That would, that happened on Monday. She called yes. on their president and prime minister Lee Hsien Loong. Uh she also met met up with some business people there. Um, But I think everyone, you know, honestly, nobody I'll be honest, nobody really cares where she's going other than is she going to Taiwan. That's Mm. the question in everyone's mind, right? Mm. And it's a question we're going to ask Dr. Adrian Ang at 7.30 this morning. He's a research fellow at the SS Raja Ratnam School of International Studies about the wider implications if she does indeed make that visit to Taiwan.
0: So she is a very high-profile figure. She is the third in line right for presidency after Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, in case. These two are incapacitated, then she will be actually the presidency. Mm. That's why she's considered very high profile. But she doesn't
1: actually report to Biden. She so doesn't right? in, in the U.S. political system. There is a difference between Congress and the executive. So Biden tells it doesn't tell her what to do, and and in some ways she doesn't tell Biden what mm. to do, right? So there is that separation of powers.
0: And this is the big debate because it's so hyped up. If she doesn't go...
1: What does it say about US? It, what
0: does it say about the US? And As a
1: superpower, right?
0: Correct. So I think this is going to be a bit of a problem when you hype up these visits. Mm. Then you have this expectation. And if you don't do it, then you're considered weak. But if you do it, you cause the ire of one of the biggest superpowers in the world. And, you know, just to give some context, uh, no one of, uh, of seniority has visited Taiwan for at least 25 years. Because the last time... You know, a house speaker visitor, which was Newt Gingrich, was in 1997. Yeah, but
1: things were very different there, right? China Mm. was in a very different place compared to where it is today. Now, there's also news coming out of the New York Times uh, that a US drone strike said to have killed top al-Qaeda leader uh, in Afghanistan, I do believe. So, you know, there is... There is all sorts of things happening around the world, even as we sleep.
0: Yeah, he's he has been the number two Al-Qaeda leader to Osama bin Laden. And it was understood to have taken over when the man who ran the terrorist organization during the September 11, 2001 attacks on the US was killed by US Special Forces in 2011 under the administration of Barack Obama.
1: So it's still going on, right, this war against terrorism. Uh, but um, we've got some messages, but to take us out is show me the way by... Peter Frampton. No, that's going to be after we come back from our messages. Keep it here. BFM 89.9. And that was Betty Davies Eyes by Kim Kahn's A Very Sexy Song. Uh, 6.50. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of August and it is a very
0: sexy song. Well, you know what's not sexy?
1: Smoke well, here. I was going to say you but never mind. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Wow. Shouting. Thank you for that. Assault. Assault. I
1: didn't even stab you in the back. It was right in front right of Between in front your of eyes. Me.
0: I admit I'm not sexy, far from any stretch. I mean, any
1: man that wears these Birkenstocks. Okay, enough. Moving on. <laughs> moving <laughs> on, on to
0: something less sexy, I guess. It's, well, I think caught a lot of tension though. It's the GEG bill, the Generational Endgame Bill, or what we call the Control of Tobacco Products and Smoking Bill 2022. Because there have been some changes that have taken place overnight after Health Minister Kari Jamaluddin spoke to the Parliamentary Select Committee On women, children, and social development, right? Mm -hmm. So, there are a couple of changes. One is that the quantum of standard fines is reduced from 5,000 ringgit to 500 ringgit. The punishment of community service will be added as an option. And the change is that there will be no body searches carried out on anyone aged below 18, and no punishment will be meted out for the possession of smoking items related to GEG offences. So, the question is with all these amendments that have recently taken place, is this enough to get the bill passed?
1: It looks like the House is very divided. The August House is divided. I think NGOs are divided. Even doctors are divided. And lawyers, in particular, are uncomfortable with some sections of the bill, Uh, especially in terms of our right to privacy and body searches. And, you know, I think even some people's question whether, in the first place, the offense. The act of the offence, should it be on the individual or should it be on the companies and the corporations that sell these products, right? There's a bit of a debate there. And I don't have all the answers. I I do believe in the spirit of the law. I think it is good that if we can stop smoking in this country, uh, it should be something we aspire to because the health consequences are great. Uh, But I think we should also be open to discuss the bill.
0: Yes, so that the best bill is put forward. And the implementation execution, because I think Kyrie has made his case very clearly, 27,000 lives were lost to smoking. His goal is to reduce the smoking population to less than 5% by 2040. And he's put a number to it, right? 6.2 billion ringgit is the cost of treatment, but it could go up to 8.8 billion if comprehensive measures such as the control of tobacco products and smoking bill was not implemented?
1: Well, we're going to have um, a little discussion with uh, Dr. Helmi Hajar Maidin. He's a consultant, respiratory physician and technic- and This is important, but he's also the technical advisor to the Ministry of Health on Tobacco Control. So we're going to have a bit of a MOH perspective on this so do you tune in that's going to be happening at 7:45 and
0: actually if you're if you want to listen to it uh, WhatsApp us your questions we'll see whether we can even post them to yeah. him
1: let us know what are your doubts that you have right in terms of the implementation and execution we will, I think this is something that we will be continuing to discuss uh, on the station throughout the day
0: Yes another story that came out from the day one was that those using mobiles to record cops on duty may face action so i think we've seen many uh, social media postings about mm. people taking pictures or even videos of cops uh, or even people of you know in uniform yes. i think accosting or even you know doing their duties per se and yeah. that might uh, run foul according to the home ministry
1: oh why is that the case though this is interesting
0: so just to give you some context Taking photographs or video recordings is not an offence. However, it becomes a crime if a member of the public records a video or does a live broadcast using a phone when the police are carrying out a raid or arrest in a public area.
1: Oh, okay. So it's the
0: nature of what the police do.
1: But then who's watching the police?
0: Okay, Ooh, well, I
1: don't have the answer to dot, that. Dot, dot, dot. I dot, dot, dot. Okay. Uh, talking about watching people. Uh, the HCO Morning Brief has an article on the Public Accounts Committee because it has expressed regrets over the government's action not to fully declassify the Special Investigation Committee on Public Governance Procurement and Finance Report related to the Automatic Enforcement System, which, was, which is the AES. So the of course the 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 point about this is that um that they say that the rakyat can should be able to judge for themselves the actions of the government rather than it if, if, which is not possible now because the report is going to be kept uh, secret.
0: So this is actually a very uh, long uh, debate right I think this this issue about the ES which is the Electronic surveillance systems were yes. along the road where they basically catch speed traps. So it's very much uh, causing a lot of ire about how the contract was awarded then. And I yes, think it also because it
1: was. I mean, in the, this was also an inflated price tag, right, of something like 550 million mm. ringgit was involved. Uh, so question marks about whether that was a right sum, uh, was procurement done properly. And Wong Wall, who is the head of the special committee, has said that it should be made public, whatever the findings are. Mm.
0: There was also a lot of debate about that issue about uh, LTAT, Lembaga Tabung Angkasa Tantra, in 2015 asked to take over the AES on roads from project owners like Artes and Better Tagap. So this is of course involving uh, public funds with regards to you know bailing out these companies that perhaps were not able to execute the system well yeah. enough
1: uh but up next we've got of course the 7 a.m news bulletin and to take us there is soul kitchen by the doors keep it here bfm 89.9
0: thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business Station.